0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Minds on Mental Health podcast. My name's Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today is the second part in a three-part series that we're doing with Araceli Reyes. Araceli is a licensed social worker as well as a primary therapist at the women's program at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in North Brunswick, New Jersey. In this series, we'll be discussing intergenerational trauma through the lens of the movie Inconso, and today we're discussing different roles that are oftentimes associated with intergenerational trauma using the characters in the movie as examples. So I hope you guys find it helpful and enjoy the podcast. Okay, so how do we put this all into context when we are thinking about it in terms of trauma?
1: How we put into context is that we really look at the trauma triangle, which is a theoretical model kind of presented by Judith Herman. And if anyone wants to read more, it's in her trauma and recovery book. When we look at the trauma triangle, we are looking at different patterns in response to fear. The patterns get identified through different roles. And the words that are placed are meant to describe those patterns of behaviors. And the different roles we have are trauma victim role, rescuer caregiver role, perpetrator role, and bystander role. It's looking at what roles that play out on an interpersonal level that tend to stem from trauma, or in this case, intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. The roles that we're talking about is something called the trauma victim role, where they really feel stuck in the emotion and in the distress they feel. And they can't think of anything else. They're just almost stuck within that trauma, even though the trauma's not happening in
0: that present moment. Sure. And it, d- very common with survivors of trauma that. You know, they're replaying it in their yes. head constantly yes. or, you know, their body feels like they're still stuck in that moment sometimes. Yes. Yeah.
1: yes. There's also a rescue caregiver role, which really shines through in this movie to give everyone kind of a heads up. And the rescuer caregiver role is the Mr. and Mrs. Fix-its of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they really try to fix everything that they perceive is going wrong tend to be very perfectionistic have unrealistically high expectations
0: oh i think i know what character we're yeah, talking about right and
1: now. can tend to be very controlling and <laughs> codependent and uh-huh. you know andy i think it's more than just one character yeah but true, that's just true. my thought uh-huh. the the other role is the perpetrator role and what happens is we mirror the behaviors of our past perpetrators This can include experiencing rage, verbal and physical attacks, a lot of outbursts can really hold a lot of resentment. It kind of gets stuck in them too, Mm -hmm. in that degree, very easily triggered and very easily reactive and can result in the abuse of others. And there's also another character that tends to switch over to Mm -hmm. this role Mm -hmm. too, within the movie. And then there's bystander. And bystander role is that they totally disconnect Mm -hmm. from their trauma. And within using the framework of Encanto, a lot of the characters have been encouraged through Awela to be rescuer caregivers. Mm -hmm. If you look at it, every gift that Awela's children have were meant to service the community peppa controls the weather bruno can see into the future Mm -hmm. julieta makes food that can heal people so that's all been encouraged and reinforced by abuela to really care for the community and if that didn't happen that was interpreted by abuela to be risky behavior
0: that's interesting i never thought about it like that before but you're right so it's her three, so the triplets that she rescued, her three kids, yes. they all have powers that are sort of in service of other people. Correct. Mm-hmm.
1: Correct. So, like, and-
0: oh, I'm sorry for interrupting.
1: No, go ahead. Go so ahead.
0: like you said, the one daughter, she can heal people. The other daughter, she can control weather, which would obviously be good for like crops and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one can see into the future, which obviously, you know, <laughs> that would be helpful for most people.
1: And then the grandchildren, some of them, except Maribel, get their own gifts. Carmillo mm-hmm. can shapeshift into different people. Louisa is very strong she could move buildings and donkeys Mm -hmm. and you see that a lot within the movie and you have isabella that creates in the beginning of the movie it's just flowers it's just pretty things that Mm -hmm. are perfect and beautiful and she's really admired um within the community and also within the family And then Antonio, who's the newest one to get a gift, can speak to animals. Mm -hmm. So if we see all the children and grandchildren, they're all tapping into different facets of how to care and maintain other people. Because all those gifts are helpful to service themselves and the community, but ultimately the community and the family. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about the family. Bruno, through a series of events becomes a bystander. He totally separates from the family and hides um, from the family. And he did this because he wanted to protect the family. All these actions and reactions kind of stem back to Abuela's parenting of the children, Mm -hmm. which is all a reaction to her losing her husband. There's a particular scene in the movie that I find very significant for this topic, it's the very end. So if anyone's seen it, it's a beautiful scene where it's when you're kind of seeing a Waila's history and then you see her kind of become a young woman to being the age she is now. And she sees all her children in front of the doors and they're all looking at her and you could almost sense the anxiety as they look at her. Mm-hmm. And that is such a perfect visual of how that intergenerational trauma kind of plays out Mm -hmm. that even though she may not be doing anything in this particular scene a is just walking but the way the children and grandchildren look at her there's a lot of anxiety which i'm sure abuela internally feels very strongly because she wants to
0: really maintain a certain image and lifestyle of the family so one thing that we kind of keep coming back to in this conversation is and obviously this is something you see in the movie too, and I was thinking specifically about Louisa because her whole her whole song in the movie is about like how she's constantly under pressure, and uh, she she's the one who's super strong, so she's expected to hold everything together and hold everybody up, and but also she's feeling super stressed even though she can't show it. And it seems like a lot of what you're talking about is that there's this constant pressure to do everything for the family, to be mm-hmm. um, strong for the family, to not let the family down, to not disappoint the family. So When we're talking about sort of these different roles, which role would that kind of fall into? Is it like the caregiver role? or
1: That is definitely the caregiver role mm-hmm. because the caregiver role You know, it has a very nice term, but there's, at the extreme, it comes out as having these really, really high, harsh expectations. Mm -hmm. And Awela, towards the end of the film, kind of recognizes what she does. At the end musical number, there's a lyric where she sings to her children when she comes back with Maribel. I'm sorry I held on too tight. I was afraid to lose you too. And That line, for me at least, is confirmation that she's become aware of what this holding on too tight, because she was so afraid of losing them, has affected her children and grandchildren.
0: Sure. So essentially, it's like putting constant pressure or constant expectations uh, on the kids to act a certain way, to do certain things, because she's, she's scared.
1: Yeah, it's a fear response. And those roles that I discussed before... They're patterns to responding to fear. Mm-hmm. So it all comes from a fear response. And that's how it just particularly manifests for this particular family.
0: And I, I guess I never thought I'd be psychoanalyzing Louisa from Encanto on a podcast before. but um,
1: There's a lot of stuff there to analyze. Yeah, something.
0: yeah, true, true. I think I see sort of the effects of that most clearly with her as a character again because her song is that she sings is kind of specifically about how that pressure has affected her mental health almost. Yeah. Yeah. And she and she literally can't do
1: it anymore, and she's pushing herself. And probably the only break she's gotten is when she did lose her powers, mm-hmm. but it had such a detrimental effect on her mental health because that became her self-worth.
0: Right. Okay, so we've sort of talked about this caregiver role. How else can we think about these other roles in terms of the characters here?
1: Bruno would definitely fall under the bystander role because he separated himself from his trauma. He did it in a different way, though, than what we would stereotypically see in bystander role. In bystander role, it's almost, I'm going to cut off any connection i have to this almost like it didn't exist i i can't do anything about it i'm just going to distance myself from it mm-hmm. and what he does is that he inadvertently becomes the bystander by retreating into the home because he just loves his family and wants to protect his family and wants nothing bad to happen to them mm-hmm. so the only logical solution for him is to just run away And distance himself from them.
0: So I guess it sounds like with him in particular in this movie, he's really doing more of like a physical, like a complete physical distancing kind of runs away. Yes. And that's not necessarily how this might always manifest itself. But it's the same kind of idea in terms of just kind of running away mentally or emotionally pretending this didn't happen or this all this stuff doesn't really exist. Is that how we should kind of think about it? Yes. Okay. I I'm guess I'm wondering, is there like a character or a scene in the movie that kind of more exemplifies what that role might look like? Um, because I understand what you're saying about him sort of physically moving himself away, but is there maybe a time in the movie where uh, there's a, an example of somebody who's kind of emotionally disconnecting from it or pretending it, that all this stuff doesn't really exist? You know, what, actually, I am guess I'm thinking of, um, what's her name, Isab- Isabella, the one that can like make all the flowers because she kind of mm-hmm. pre- has to pretend that everything's perfect all the time. There's nothing really bad happening. Um, she's kind of expected to be, you know, beautiful and pretty and um, mm-hmm. almost the complete opposite of maybe some of this ugliness that's kind of hiding underneath the surface, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. Um he- for that particular role she would still go under that rescuer caregiver because there's a lot of perfectionistic tendencies. Mm, okay and Whenever she grows the flowers it's for the prettiment, mm-hmm, <laughs> for lack mm-hmm. of a better word, of everything else.
0: The beautification.
1: The beautification, <laughs> yes. Of everything else.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay, so it sounds like Bruno is kind of an example of this bystander role, but like you were saying, in sort of an indirect way, is there maybe anybody else who's a good example of this bystander role that you're talking about?
1: There is Dolores, who is the daughter of Peppa. Um, Dolores, her ability is that she could hear everything. She could hear a Mm -hmm. pin drop from a mile away. And the way she presents with that bystander role is that she almost presents as not really emotionally affected by anything, which is kind of a characteristic of bystandard. Um They may feel very numb and unaffected by others. Um, a good example of that is after Antonio's party the day after, Maribel is discussing that she thinks, like, something's going wrong. Mm-hmm.
0: That and something's Del- wrong with the magic.
1: That something's wrong with the magic. And Dolores just very flatly says... You're the only one who's worried about it.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: And and that's kind of an example where everyone else you've kind of noticed in the party scene was kind of taken aback by that thought. And she's just cool as a cucumber, um, very disconnected from the emotion that that could elicit from anyone.
0: Yeah. So I, um, is that sort of the defining characteristic of being in this bystander role? Like sort of feeling... It- being disconnected from your emotions
1: it is one of the characteristics Um, sometimes it can present itself as feeling totally disconnected from your trauma Mm -hmm. um, your emotions and ultimately the underlying kind of characteristic of it is we feel powerless to do anything about it so we disconnect
0: so it's kind of like you feel powerless about it or you Feel powerless about your ability to do anything about it, so you just shrug your shoulders and you're like...
1: Exactly. You know, uh,
0: like she said, ugh, you're the only one that's worried about it. Like, what can we exactly. do? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. We were just talking about that emotional disconnection being sort of one of the primary characteristics of the bystander role. Is there, like, another one that we should mention on here, or not really?
1: When it comes to bystander role, another thing that would be good to note is that they really tend to distance themselves from others, or they almost present themselves as the odd one out. And what I think in terms of Encanto, the movie and how they portray Dolores, is that you kind of see she's there and not really
0: engaged Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. I guess I got the impression when you said it that it's almost like a black sheep kind of thing. Like
1: it's not a black sheep because they are accepted within the family. mm -hmm. It's just that they're not really engaged in it. Got
0: you. Okay. So, um, yeah. And with this character in particular, sort of all the action is sort of happening around her. She's not necessarily engaged or a part of it. And, and you,
1: and that is her norm. That is her norm. The only time where we see a break from that is when she, Heard the prophecy that Maribel is somehow involved with the magic weakening. And then you see her at the dinner table totally breaking that because that is mm. a moment of crisis within the family unit.
0: Okay, that makes sense to me. Okay, that wraps it up for this week's episode. Tune in next week for the third and final episode in the Intergenerational Trauma in Kanto series where we discuss more roles as well as how to navigate the situation if you recognize your family in any of this material. Hope everybody has a great week.